Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 12 of The Dive. Between the old guard and NA falling, EULCS franchising, and a roundup of the major regions, we have a lot to cover. So, let's get into it. I'm pretty excited, man. I, I think it's it's. I'd like to start on the, uh, some of the NA stuff because I'm I'm biased towards that, and mm-hmm. and, and like we we're gonna have a new champion, right? And and I think it's pretty crazy that TSM, C9, CLG, all of them are out of playoffs, and and it's not that they're out of playoffs in the finals. They're out of playoffs. They're not even going to Miami, right? <laughs> this is the quarterfinals, and kind of all the old guard former champions are already gone. And and it's, I think, a very exciting time uh, to be a fan of the NALCS, to see a new champion crown and to see these new orgs actually you know, coming into the scene and, and performing this well and, and, and kind of bringing some new hype. I definitely think it's exciting um, as far as the organizations go. Um, I, I would, I want to temper it with uh, you know, all this talk of, oh, my God, everything's changing. It's so crazy now with um, like if you look <laughs> at the actual players that are making uh, making it further under playoffs. And, no temperance. And still on these teams <laughs> um, like Team Liquid has three fifths of the CLG squad that actually brand new players. <laughs> They've got, yeah. Who's um, this double if in there? Um, and then uh, 100 Thieves, they have Aphromove, they have Medios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These guys have have been there before. Uh if you actually look at like clutch and stuff, though, then you're like, okay, yeah, you know, it's a bunch of new, uh, you know, the envy guys finally getting up there, and and that being the team to beat TSM, I think was kind of the most shocking thing. Yeah, uh, I feel like that is the the super huge upset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone expecting, even all the like players and coaches that we talked to leading up to this, right? Everyone was still like, oh my god, TSM is just so scary, you know, wrecking people in scrims, um, you know, and they're returning to form and all of this, and uh, yeah, now they're they're breaking the the streak, the legacy. Yeah, it's over. The 10 finals in a row. You can never say I've made every single finals ever again because they haven't. Uh, and it, it was, I think it took a little bit to sink in for me when I was on the analyst test doing the broadcast because I was uh, kind of hyped that Clutch Gaming made it, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that TSM had been to every single finals and the fact that they had won three splits in a row and the fact that they're the only org to make it to every single world championship. Uh, and now, if you think about it, like they blew up their roster by switching out three players, had the shaky regular season. We were all ready to write it off like, oh, this has happened before. Uh, they, they clearly have it together now because they mm-hmm. played five games in a row that have looked good, right? That's pretty much what we're going off of because you go back to week five or six and they were shaky. They lose that game two to Clutch, and it's right back to that shaky TSM. Like, they definitely had, in my opinion, some unsolved issues. And what I'm really curious about now is what does TSM do from here? Do they just take a break, say, we're going to take longer to develop our synergy? I don't really know if there's that many other players that are available, but if you think back to, like, TSM history, when's the last time they didn't make a change in the middle of a split? Because 2016, when they brought in Yellowstar, mm-hmm. after spring, they finished second, they got rid of Yellowstar, they brought in Biofrost, right? Uh-huh. Then, then Doublelift left after that World Championship, they brought in Wild Turtle. Then Wild Turtle left, they brought back the in Doublelift. Double one, he, it was like him wanting to It was to him wanting to leave, so... It fits, uh, keep going it with fits your story, the Kobe. <laughs> it fits the narrative, uh, But also, uh, from Reginald, like, this is such a failure based on TSM's expectations. Yeah. Uh, especially when in the offseason he says, we knew this team wasn't going to be good enough. We're going to switch Parth from coach to GM. We're going to bring in a big Korean coach from Immortals. We're going to bring in Zven and Mithy, the gods of the West. We're going to bring in Mike Young, the you know most hyped NA resident free agent. Like They did all this stuff to then not even make semifinals. Like That failure 
needs to at least have responsibility taken or they just need to make a really hard line decision to go for it again. But it's uncharted territory for TSM. It, it really is. And and I, and I do think, well, it, it's a big failure to lose, you know, with that roster, with everything, like as far as their expectations and their history in the quarterfinals. At the same time, you know, pre-quarterfinals, they, they were, you know, 9-1 in their last 10. They mm-hmm. had been looking like they had massively improved from the first half of the split, I think. So there are still positives there as far as like looking long term. I mean, if CLG is willing to say, yeah, Yep, we improved enough that we're, we want to stick with this roster. You know, TSM, I think, you know, by that same kind of token, should be willing to do the same. The question is just, I guess, like, even if you decide you want to do changes, what would those changes be? Who can you get in the middle of the in the middle of the season? And I think yeah. that, like, as far as players go, there's probably not a lot of options, right? Like, Double is not going to come back just because just because you, Ben and Mithy <laughs> got knocked out of playoffs, right? Like, that's Great. not going to happen. I think. If there's any change, the only one I could pinpoint is probably uh, seeing coaching change, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if there's something that you're going to do, if you want to make a change, if you're saying, hey, this is unacceptable, this, the buck needs to drop somewhere, it's probably on the coach. And that's how it happens in, in a lot of traditional sports. And, you know, first time Parth is out, like, Parth got flamed a lot, but they did pretty well with Parth, right? You know, maybe, maybe something I happens. I think Reggie gets involved again. It's certainly possible. I, I think that it is a lot of the teams learned uh, after the big offseason we had that shaking up rosters and trying to get players to work well with each other is going to take a lot of time. So yeah. I, I don't see very many of the teams making actual roster swaps, except maybe the super bottom teams mm-hmm. uh, and the ones that have already announced it. <laughs> <because> <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. Farewell, Zig. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Lemon Nation. Um, yeah, because the top ones, I think, uh, have rosters that can work a lot of our top teams like we were talking about coming into playoffs we're talking about being so close and Mm -hmm. and a lot of potential here with a lot of these different teams um and i think that has been one of the biggest things is um you know with all of tsm's changes and stuff we had the biggest strengthening of the league around tsm Mm -hmm. than we have had in such a long time you know usually from year to year we're like okay you know they're they have this stacked roster once again i think the the double lift biofrost uh svenskaren bjergsen and hanser roster might have been actually their most popular roster Mm -hmm. um but yeah you're talking about blowing that up and dispersing them and then also bring in a lot of more high-powered um imports just completely strengthen like the top six or seven yeah. teams. The competition around them, and I mean, kind of just doubling back on the significance of TSM, C9, and COG, all of our previous champions in the five years of North American LCS not even being in semifinals, from an org standpoint, uh, imagine if franchising never happened, mm-hmm. right? Imagine that Clutch Gaming and 100 Thieves don't exist, right? TSM's in semifinals. We're not having this conversation, <laughs> right? They They... Probably, you know, maybe the investment doesn't come in in the same way for Team Liquid. Maybe Double if stays with mm-hmm. the SM. Maybe Reggie never needs to spend a bunch of money to do Zven and Mithy and need this disruption in his roster. And maybe they just keep on keep on trucking along. But I think 100 Thieves and Clutch entering the system and being so strong, and even Echo Fox totally retooling their team, even though they're technically not an org that's in because of franchising. It's a new like, iteration. Yeah, I think a lot of this stuff doesn't happen in the way that everyone was kind of pushed to try yep. and make these really big bets uh, definitely created a really volatile split. And it, I think the playoffs help prove that it wasn't just 
purely best of one volatility. Yeah. I think best of one volatility still exists. Totally. Like I think with best of three, the regular season standings probably aren't a four-way t- uh, tie for third, mm-hmm. but still there's going to be a close skill level one through six in the NALCS. So I think that part's cool too. It, it is really cool. And I actually really like that you brought that up because there has been a number of times, I think even, you know, just since, since I started casting here where it's like, oh, this is, there's so much parody, right? And then, mm-hmm. oh, JK playoffs come and teams get like 3 0 in the quarterfinals mm-hmm. and then, okay, TSM's going to be in the finals again, right? And it honestly was starting to feel like that. And I think a lot of people were getting mm-hmm. that feeling that, yeah, okay, game one, yeah, clutch got slammed. All right, easy 3 0 for TSM. And then they're going to win the semifinals, of course. And then, you know, but it's, it didn't happen like that at all. And and I am interested to see what fan expectations slash reactions are going to be going into summer split because I just think that for most of these teams, there's not any options to change players. Like, there's just, there's not better players. Even if you say, TSM must change their bottom line. Like, who do you get that is better? You know what I mean? Even if you're one of those fans who really mm-hmm. feels like things need to be shaken up or C9 or CLG even, there's, like, the, the reason that you can change, like, say, like, a Golden Guardians or an Optic or whatever is because there's upgrades straight from Academy, right? Yeah. There's no Academy player that is going to be an upgrade over, like, any any TSM player, any C9 player. Like, I just don't see that. And also, uh, one other thing is the last time the TSM had the bad spring split where they went either 9-9 or 10-8 in the regular season and then made that giant run to finals, dropped Yellow Star, and then they picked up Biofrost from, like, the ether. Right, he had he had played a little bit of challenger on a team that wasn't very good, but like I feel like those gems that are just kind of sitting out there, undiscovered talent, don't necessarily exist with Academy anymore. Like yeah. the, you can see who the junglers are, and I don't think there's just going to be like th- let's say TSM actually did want to say let's try out a a different jungler. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't that's know if the thing. Fight. That's the thing about those gems, though. You you can't point to them right now, right? You're, they're the they undiscovered ones, right? Yeah. And Nero was talking about how he thinks there's a lot of uh, talent in the talent. Echo Fox coach. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually used Demonte on stage. I thought he looked fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Papa Chow as well, I thought was, uh, you know, decently I think there's lots of good players, but I'm I'm talking, like, upgrades to some of the players who are some of the best, like, you know, most yeah. storied players, right? right? I mean, for Very sure, because... In order to be an upgrade for for us analysts to like look at the player and observe them and be like, yeah, okay, that's an upgrade. They have to have history, and there's yep. only so many people that have history. So, uh, like, that's that's what you're dealing with is the list of things that we've already seen, yeah. and that's a you know a and it, quantity that can be uh, defined. Experience matters a lot too, right? As far as being able to, even if you can perform well in one meta, or even if you can perform well in one stage, then maybe going further can get tougher. Like, look at Licorice. Licorice, I think. He was at one of those gems, right? And he <laughs> has been found. And I think this guy has an incredibly bright future. Yeah. I think that as he he becomes a more well-rounded player, he is going to be one of the best top laners in the league for sure, right? <laughs> and he already is up there. He's there's already, gems in NA. There's gems in NA, right? <laughs> but, Golden but, them our hills. <laughs> exactly. But but even even with Licorice, who it's hard to see it really panning out much better for this guy that you know not a lot of people ha- had known internationally or anything like that. There was still weaknesses in his play. You know, his, his tank play was never as good and these sorts of things. And, and it, you know, even that, you couldn't really call an upgrade over. Impact over said he was, was bad, or, didn't he? Or was that Impact? There was, sure. there was some interview where someone, uh, I mean, one of the top. I'm players. sure there is some trash. Now I'm going to have to go back somewhere. and research it because I might be misattributing. But um, I also think it's interesting that as we're having strengthening around our, you know, typical top teams, talking about all the banner teams and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There can only be 
one winner, right? There can yeah. only be so many good teams in the league. Mm -hmm. And if everyone is strengthening and everyone has this, oh, it's such a letdown if we're not in the finals. Yeah. Well, there's going to be a lot of teams that are let down. Yeah. You know, if 100 Thieves start to get used to, you know, placing number one and Clutch Gaming is like, oh, yeah, you know what? We're, we need to be we're also, or yeah, higher. we also need to have, so that we have like eight teams that are like, if we don't make finals, then it's going to be it's changes. A big failure. Yeah. Um, it, it starts to get a, a really crowded space. So that's why I think is um, really cool about what could possibly happen like in the next couple of years. Yeah. Because a lot of people are talking about the TSM clutch upset because that's the biggest disparity. This, you know, six versus three, you know, clutch gaming was like, a lot of people still kind of imagine them as envy, mm -hmm. um, you know, although improved. Um, but the Cloud9, 0-3 to Team Liquid also. Um, even though Team Liquid made all the uh, yeah. you know, big upgrades in the offseason, if you were yeah. looking at from the brand perspective again, that would be a, a very big upset, right? All, yeah. Cloud9 fans were extremely uh, disappointed because they had such a good first half of the spring. Right. Um, and then had this trail off. Uh, yet, you know, Jack's like, yeah, no way I'm making... Uh, roster changes we're mm -hmm. going to build it with these guys we're going to try and improve mm -hmm. um so i i think it's really interesting and it'll be more fun to see how teams um can actually get to that next level rather than making these big improvements that we're used to between splits or in the off season of oh yeah we got better players right you're talking about those mm -hmm. just looking at them upgrades where you're like yep I, i'm pretty sure that guy's better than this one yep. but actually like creating your own improvement uh, because yeah. you're going to have to start doing that since there's so much competition. Yeah, definitely the case. And, and I agree. I think we'd be talking more about the C9 thing as this as this big shocking thing where they got 3-0'd. If Clutch didn't if happen. If Clutch didn't yeah. just blast TSM, right? And then that is that is kind of just trumps it all because of this <laughs> and because of everything else. Um, but another big story on the table, EU is franchising. Ayo! And I think, uh, I think it's pretty exciting, you know, for some of the reasons that we kind of just touched on as far as franchising can bring in new blood. It can shake up the league. You're hoping that some of the teams that are our traditional bottom feeders are going to get, you know, replaced <laughs> and, and that cool new orgs are going to come in and we're going to have, like, you know, Real Madrid in the, in the ULCS and stuff. Yeah, I'll uh, just hit some of the main notes for those of you who are uh, not living on Reddit. Okay. But it's ULCS franchising, the articles on all these sports. They're basically, like, in a nutshell, they're removing relegation. They're creating long-term partnerships that unlocks revenue sharing, and they want to partner with the strong organizations. It uh, is another one of those things where they have 10 teams. They're splitting up rev sharing between players, orgs, and Riot, uh, and they're basically opening their application process, much like the North American application process was opened uh, fairly on in 2017. And the 2019 spring split, they say, will be the first franchised one. I'm looking forward to seeing of how many football clubs get in mm -hmm. yeah. had to not say soccer clubs <laughs> catch myself but yeah football clubs maybe you have to say both so that everyone's happy so that no one gets confused the foot soccer or clubs. everyone gets confused yeah or that yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you say both then i'm pretty sure people will figure it out <laughs> that, but if you only say football then why would the nfl teams have, go to exactly. europe you're gonna be like wait because it's really big in london i hear they <laughs> yeah. do viewing parties yeah honestly though i i'm also super excited for it because like um uh, recently uh, uh i mean also i mean also so oslo is the example i was going to give but he keeps on tweeting out about the parasites and the the teams leeching off well, of the few aggressive. that are doing the work yeah uh, you, I, that's why i like your term bottom feeders <laughs> or whatever because he has used uh, quite a lot of variations uh, yeah. of that maybe he's uh, looking up at the source or something with <laughs> all the different types of parasites but 
Uh, yeah, he has some str pretty strong opinions, I think, yeah. because mm -hmm. he has put a lot of work, you know, into G2 um, as far as the brand. And I think they did a very good job, you know, um, them, Fnatic, and Vitality, I think Splice, Shulka, Splice. Job, yeah. yeah, I think those are the ones that kind of come to mind most mm -hmm. uh, for me when I'm when I think about, you know, teams for European LCS where I'll, I'll watch those games and, yeah. and I'll be excited. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm would definitely be happy to have some yeah. you know upgrades yeah. as far as far as the other ones too so Ocelot sent out this tweet 22 hours ago he said it would be my absolute pleasure to have great brands from other regions and industries in the EULCS so that we finally get rid of all the parasites leeching off the hard work of a few give me more competitors that actually care about winning and building a fan base oof Mm -hmm. there he, he wants tell it. me how you really feel yeah he, he feels like he's got this backpack and he's carrying yeah. the rest of these team owners plus you gotta he's look won at four splits in a row <laughs> with g2 <laughs> <Hard> to argue. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think it's i think it's really exciting and if more money goes into eu then we can steal away some more lck players from another another region <laughs> yeah. and we can just bleed them dry and we can get all the good players. But how can we continue stealing if now they're richer than us with all these... No, uh, see, we both no, steal. We both yeah. steal. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. We both Korea. steal their players from Korea. Not <laughs> so from we each team other. up. We yeah. team up. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's exactly. We need, clearly, one of us is not good enough to take down the LCK. We need everyone stealing their players. <laughs> Vietnam yeah. needs to grow. You know, uh, LPL needs to steal more players. Everyone needs to do their part and steal all the Korean players so the yeah. LCK finally does G2 win. lost their bot lane to TSM. That means G2 just gets SKT's bot lane for next year. Take Death Nomada. Get them in there. Get KT's bot lane. Now yeah. we'll see. Somebody uh, break apart King Zone, please. Oh, <laughs> or the desert soccer Impossible. <laughs> Somebody get Peanut. Yeah. TSM, do your part. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, I'll be keeping up with that news as it comes out, but we'll know the franchise teams yeah. before the free agency period at mm -hmm. the end of the year. Um, I'm excited for their playoffs, too. Because mm -hmm. uh, actually, yeah. this split, Vitality at the beginning of this split was my favorite team. Because uh, <laughs> not not just because you know Gilly is trash talking and, and I love the trash talking also, but uh, their Italian mid laner Jizuki, uh, he was popping off with some you know crazy one v threes and stuff like that and mm -hmm. had some really good rise play. Yeah. But they're gonna be playing Fnatic, uh, and I'm all like that's the legacy team you know yeah. right. And you're always excited to see Fnatic and Reckless play. So uh, I think that their playoffs are also gonna be really fun. Yeah, keep tabs on that. It is going to be pretty exciting, and and we're going to start getting into as we're getting closer and closer to MSI. We're going to be getting more and more into some of these other regions playoffs, and uh, and if you guys are EU or LCK or LPL fans, you can look forward to some more discussions about how we see some of these regions going into MSI uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, things I'm going to be looking out for, as Kobe mentioned, is Fnatic versus Vitality, super exciting. Even the one on Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time with G2 and Splice, like I do think uh, it's up in the air, so to speak. Fnatic is definitely the favorite in the European mm -hmm. LCS playoffs, but with the way the season's been going, especially in the EU, anything can happen. Uh, LCK, the whole playoffs is going to be super exciting because you have the World Championship rematch in the first round of the playoffs yeah, that's as SKT insane. squeaked into the SKT playoffs. SKT got in. I said there's 0% chance they make it to MSI. They've there got a long ways to go, but there is like... Yeah. A slightly more than zero percent chance. I didn't give it a zero, but I didn't even think they'd make playoffs. Yeah. And, and, and they, they needed so much help to in. get playoffs yeah. too. Yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy. But then just because it's SKT, it's always in the back of your head. It's like, wait, 
do they just go to MSI now? So, like, you know, you're like, Coma wait did, a second here. Coma gave an interview and he was like, I want to make all the other playoff teams feel the pressure that we felt all season long. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's kind of going to happen, right? <laughs> Unless they just get smashed in the first round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if the fairy tale starts to like come true, though, with each set that they win, you're like, oh my I mean, God. If they get to the finals, then, then you start really sweating. You're like, oh my God, they're just good again randomly. It's faker. Yeah. You yeah. can't beat I, I I am convinced I, that we're 100 percent going to see King Zone at MSI. Though. I think King Zone. Is yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody's. I always have this thought in the back of my head with the way Korea does their playoff format. How King Zone was so dominant in the regular season, they don't play again until April 14th. Yep. yep. Like, I'm always worried about the team that's waiting at the end of that gauntlet playoff format, whether or not they'd be rusty or whether or not the game has changed a little bit because their playoffs are on <laughs> patch 8.6. King Zone would not have played yeah. on stage in pro. On <laughs> I'm not worried for them. <laughs> I like, I was, I'm a little worried. I always like this discussion because it's two two sides kind of the same coin where like I was always in probably on the on the side of the coin that like I want to play as many games as possible and, and be as ready as possible. Like and like I, I consider very different practice games versus stage games, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to play games, be warmed up, and I was like, yep, we're gonna be better and we're gonna win. But then there's a lot of other people who are like, well, but we have unique strategies that we don't want to show and you get to hide a lot of that. You get Yep. more scouting so it's it's like the rustiness factor which was what I would always be worried about versus well they don't have to show anything yep. and and now you're on 8.6 no one knows what their take is on 8.6 and if they're wrong that sucks for them but if they're right and they have hidden strategies they can see what everyone else is doing all the way up and then say how do we best mm-hmm. beat that and no one gets, gets to have any idea yeah I mean it's I, I like the debate between uh, taking time off, practicing, and hiding stuff versus being warmed up and having the stage time and like mm-hmm. working through it. Mm-hmm. The biggest advantage, of course, with their format, though, is that you remove the risk of losing at any yes. of those other points. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you have to go through all those other points, like that, that's a lot more risk that's been introduced into your playoff run. And so that's why I'm like, the, the LCK playoffs setup or whatever is set up so heavily to advantage the team that yep. wins number Regular one because you yeah. literally just have to play at the end you just have to win that one best of five and even though there's that little bit of scared i'd i'd always want to be in that position like i'd rather do that than have to be like well now i got to play the eight seed and then i got to play the four seed and then i got to play whoever else like no just give me one best of five and then you mm-hmm. win the whole thing one thing i want to touch on as well before we move on uh as far as playoffs go lpl and lms actually haven't hit playoffs yet they take every spring split a huge amount of time off for a Chinese New Year. It's like a two- or three-week break. So their regular season isn't even concluded yet. But one team I want to keep my eye on really closely this year uh, is IG. For those of you who haven't been following the LPL, they have the best record in the LPL. They're 14-1 and in best of threes. The reason we've been so, I've been so excited for this team is last year they finished fourth. So they were one spot away from making finals. Uh, they had been switching between Duke, the former SKT top laner, and the Shy, who was like this Korean solo queue god a lot of the year. Now they're pretty much running the Shy in the top lane, who's been beasting. They still have Rookie in the mid lane, who many people have been saying for years is like one of the best, if not the best mid laners in the world. He just doesn't make it to Worlds. Uh, And then the biggest thing to me is their bot lane, which used to be a weakness, is now really strong. We've talked about the guy on the show a little bit, but Jackie Love Mm. was like 15 or 16 or... Everyone was trying to prove that he was younger so IG wouldn't be allowed to start him. But now they have essentially super strong players in all three lanes and have been dominating the LPL. So really want to see 
if they can make it to yeah. MSI. I've missed Rookie at international events. Uh, he, not only his play, but uh, him just in general. He's just one of the most like happy, outgoing people. Um, so I'm definitely rooting for IG. I don't think, again, like they're going to need much uh, much of the help, but I'm definitely rooting for them. It'll be exciting, too. And I mean, expectations, I think, no matter who makes it to MSI from the LPL, expectations are going to be very high coming off of Worlds where the LPL was damn good, right? Like they clearly established themselves as the second best region in 2017, right? I don't think there was much question about that. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see, can they build on that? You know, are they going to be able to keep having these super strong performances and be the ones that are are out there challenging Korea. Uh, but moving on, we're going to talk about some trash talk. There yep. was a, a pretty popular <laughs> thread. I didn't actually read the interview, to be honest with you, uh, but Doublelift you know, was talking about trash talk and, and his quote on trash talk essentially saying that you know he trash talks before the match to build hype for it. If you trash talk after the match, you're basically just an asshole. So but he was trash talking in the interview about trash, talk. about trash talkers that don't trash talk he also, as well. He also, I mean, it, it's. I feel like so much of, of trash talk is where where is your line for what is what is mm-hmm. appropriate and what is trash talk? Because I think a lot of the stuff that Double F says, where you know when when he's like, oh, there's there's five good teams and then Echo Fox or whatever, you know, he's that's trash talk to him. But then some of the stuff that is pretty savage, they says in post game interviews, he would not see as trash talk. He just sees that as being honest. <laughs> but other people would see it as trash talk, right? Like, you know, as far as the oh, you're an asshole if you trash talk after the game. Well, remember his post-game interview, like against C9. He's like, yeah. "Yeah, we totally overestimated them. They're not very good. Yeah. Like, we, why did we think they would be good? I don't get it. You know, like, so a lot of people consider that trash talk. But I think he's just like, no, it's just honest, right? So yeah. it all depends on where you lie as far as that. So a lot of the like, so yeah, the discussion around timing right now yep. basically is mm-hmm. what is what a lot of the resurgence of this conversation was yeah. um, because Jensen had a tweet after uh, you know their games the regular them. season best of one yeah so they all started retweeting this uh, I thought Team Liquid was supposed to be good uh, yep. tweet yeah. that he did um, but I do exactly remember, you know, Doublelift as well as Jensen, both trash talking before and after games. Yep. So, you know, both both have happened. I do agree with, like, the theory of this one, though, right? right. Trash talking before definitely takes a it's lot. more honorable. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think one thing that made this surprise me with this thread is that it got to 22,500 upvotes. Yeah. Like, it was massive. Actually, click on the interview, because the interview is actually not just about trash talk, <laughs> but credit to them for making the best possible headline. Clickbait, baby. Uh, he talks a lot about, like, Team Liquid's 3-0 and, like, his relationship with Ole and, you know, what he thinks about Jin as an AD carry. But the conversation we're having is about the headline yep. and the conversation afterwards. Uh, speaking of trash talk, being able to trash talk before and after, I think is healthy for the scene. It generates mm-hmm. conversation, it creates hype. Uh, it does just kind of, I think, come back to sportsmanship at the end of the day. Like, have it banter. Don't make it, like, super, super personal. Don't try to, like, end someone's career with your trash talk. Yeah. But I-, I like the tone that Doublelift hits, and I actually like the tone that Jensen hits Me too. most of the time. Like, when he said he was going to clap Faker at Worlds and then got blasted, it made it more exciting, like, yep. in-, in those ways. And I... I think Jensen is also one of those players that does do it before and after, so I don't necessarily think his, like, I thought TL was supposed to be good was actually that mean-spirited. Um, and Doublelift, to be fair, didn't directly call that out either. People are just speculating on those things. So, uh, yeah, that's the way I like to see the trash talk. And for, for me, I think, so, uh, like, I've always been of the opinion that 
trash talk as much as you want as long as you can take it too right like and, and i think that has always been the thing for me like if people wanted to flame my team or whatever great but i'm gonna flame your team after we beat you <laughs> and, oh and, so you're one of the post and uh, I, I would do i would do before or after okay. depending right so right. but but if, if if you you know if you're flaming me before the match then then i think you you have to expect to get something after right i think i think that's only fair yeah. uh so it's it's just to me if, if you're gonna give it you got to take it too yep. and and otherwise i think it's great and personally like and i don't know if everyone agrees with this um but i think trash talk before a match builds hype i think trash talk after a match builds rivalry so mm. that is kind of the difference between me mm. because I'm going to be pissed if, if Kobe is, is shitting on me after the game, right? Like, you know, he didn't say anything before, blah, 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 and then you're just going to take you're just gonna take an easy shot at me, right? Like, that makes me want to beat you. That doesn't make me want to beat your team or necessarily care as much about the comments. I want to prove you individually wrong, at least yeah, for me. You're just building up hate. I yeah, can see it in your it's, eyes. It's, it's, yeah. so, so that, for me, is, is kind of why I like that because I think rivalry in sports is a good thing. I don't think the players all need to be friends. I think mm-hmm. the players can hate each other. I think that's great. Like, I actually, like, <laughs> like I, you know, I'm not talking on a personal level, right? I'm talking like in in the game, wanting to like wanting to, to uh, blast this person. I, I actually I, I like that because I think that's exciting. I think that brings out like more passion in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love rivalry in sports. And and in traditional sports, there certainly are those rivalries where you're like, oh yeah, they're just kind of friends, you know. And then there's the ones where you like you see them, they're staring death at each other, and yeah. you're like, that's exciting. I, yeah, I think I agree that that's exciting. The thing about it, like not being personal or whatever, yeah. I don't think that that's possible. Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> their whole lives are playing League of Legends. Yeah. Uh, like, they practice all day, every day. We hear about the crazy schedules and everything like that. Um, so, like, if it gets to the rivalry report that you're talking about, like, staring death at them and stuff, that's definitely going to be personal. I just mean more, so my, yeah. I should give a clarification as far as I don't think the trash talk should be personal attacks. More more yeah. along those lines, right? So, right. so, like, I'm all on board for Kobe being like, Azale played the worst, like, Udi I've ever seen. He was garbage. What is he doing? He doesn't know how to build. He doesn't know how to play. But, like, attacking someone's appearance and things like that, that, to me, it, that's my line, right? Yeah. Where I don't think it's appropriate anymore if you want to talk about the per- how the person looks or or how the person sounds or their family or their anything like that. That, to me, is, oop, okay, that's too far. But anything in-game, flame him. I love it. <laughs> I think it's great. I think trash talk before, trash talk after. Tell me how how trash, you know, trash talk during. Get up, is. get up from your seat. Yeah, yeah. In him. the game, start hitting him with the emotes. I, I love it. I, I'm all about it. And that, that's my line. It's different for every person, but as long as it's not a personal attack, I'm all about it. <laughs> Summoner's code. Summoner's code. Uh, not toxic. So th- this this is just a random thing. Uh, I watched Steve's interview with Travis after Team Liquid won. Mm-hmm. Um, and Travis asked him, like, who would you rather play, like, in the rest of the playoffs? And he was oh, yeah. essentially referring to, would you rather play mm-hmm. the number one seed or the number two seed because it depended on if, if TSM or Clutch played. And he was like, well, I definitely want to play Clutch. They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and Travis is like, so you can't play Clutch, but <laughs> who would you rather play? He was like, oh, right. <laughs> um, but then it also, so- something came out afterwards, and uh, I think Clutch was talking about some of their scrims, and they basically were... It was Lyra was talking about Clutch's scrims and how they scrimmed against TL and they were losing so badly that their goal was to just not lose before 30 minutes and like judge if they were a team. So I feel like Clutch and TL were actually big scrim partners and TL was blasting them. Yeah. 
There's there's so. been a, a lot of kind of return fire from from Clutch even you know so they went back and they were posting a clip from a, a Travis and Reggie interview early in the year yeah. where Reggie is basically just laughing at Clutch. He's like, yeah. "There's a team that's there to just get blasted by everyone, and not just us. Everyone's gonna smash them. <laughs> like it's not just us, you know. Like they just suck. Like they got nothing. And you know, I, I love that stuff. I, I think that's great. I think I think. It's exciting, you know, uh, the Jack and, and, like, this is definitely more, feels much more like friendly banter, you know, Jack versus Steve versus Reggie, all yep. that stuff. But I, I have really been enjoying that. I think the fans yeah. really enjoy that. And I think it's great. Like, you know, the more owners, it, it gives personality to your team, gives personality to the to the individual. Um, I think more uh, of these guys should be getting involved in it. Yeah, and I think Clutch has every right to, like, punch back and however totally. they want. Everyone has been, like, counting them out the whole year. But also noting, like, what you said earlier, if you're going to dish it out, you need to be ready to take it in. Oh, yeah. Like, if they do a bunch of trash talking now, and then next what they start losing, like, they need to be ready for that to come back on them as well, so. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to seeing how that goes. You want to move on to a quick meta discussion? Sure. Let's go. One thing that I was interested in last week was how there seemed to be different priorities on Swain. Uh, I'm actually very surprised that people were letting people play Swain, just in general. Mm. Um, the fact that Team Liquid got it like two or three times, the fact that Clutch got it two times. Cloud9 sticking to the triple tank ban. Cloud9 sticking to the triple tank ban all three times. Like that's one that potentially had to do with scrims or something, or maybe Pobelter thought he'd, wait, not Pobelter, maybe Jensen thought he'd be able to deal with Swain really easily. Uh, ended up being Licorice who had to play against it. But that champ to me just seems ridiculous uh, in team fights. Like you actually mm -hmm. can't team fight against an altered Swain for the most part. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Is there a way to actually counter this champion? So I'm of the opinion that in top lane you you can punish it uh, with like with the great like fighters and things like this if you're willing to camp that like but you have to be aggressive it's like a pre six thing mm -hmm. I see Swain very similarly and I know it's not a one to one thing but like as champions like even like Kale and stuff like this that can, that can push and can be aggressive and, and abusive in certain matchups but are also I I think fairly vulnerable pre six especially in top lane as far as as far as mid lane. I think the way that you play play against this champion is not necessarily attacking him straight on the, in the one v one. I think it's you need to roam. I think that like his wave clear is very poor compared to you know a Talia or an Aurelian Soul or these sorts of champions. Mm -hmm. And I know in solo queue like the statistically the best champion in the game against Swain is Aurelian Soul, mm -hmm. and and Swain has has like a forty four percent win rate against Aurelian Soul. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those mm -hmm. things where um, your your win rate uh, uh, like. It's it's because he cannot push very well against it, and Asol can be affecting right. these side lanes, I think, very heavily. While while he cannot really match that shove, um, so that that's kind of how I see it. Is if you try to attack this champion post six and he's even or ahead, it's almost impossible to take him down, and and he is so strong because of that. And so maybe that's just saying, hey, it's too narrow of a win condition. If you have to beat him in this one specific way, right. then maybe he should just be getting banned, and he's too good right now. And that's I think perfectly reasonable that he should mm -hmm. just be getting banned um but i don't think that it's to say that there's like he's so insanely broken that there's no possible way to beat him because i don't i don't really think that that's true on the lololytics site they also have like cassiopeia has a very good win rate against him mm -hmm. um and then yeah. like kled and york if it's top lane yeah something like that exactly like a lot of a lot of the fighters yeah like you can you can even see stuff like i think kled is really good into him but uh i've seen you know things like like Riven and Aurelia and so on. If you camp this guy pre six champions that can dash and all in you, it's like 
it's very hard to survive, especially if you're trying to do the greedier builds like uh, like Huni was doing, because uh, Huni would go tier as well. Mm -hmm. um, then becomes incredibly hard to survive. But uh, in general, like I'm okay with teams just saying this should just be banned. If you're if you're red side, it should probably just be banned. Um, but I, I think partially the different priority comes from like maybe people have not practiced as much on some teams versus right. others and, and that sort of thing. And I'm expecting with how dominant it has looked. Um, in pro play, you know, across the world that come semifinals and come, you know, like L LCK and LPL playoffs and things like this, it's, everyone yeah. should be playing it. Everyone should know how to play it and probably should just get banned. It was like uh, my Zoe bet on the uh, All-Stars. <laughs> when <laughs> I was like, that that Zoe's so busted. There's no way that, that she won't fan. be 100% <laughs> Yeah, Someone always fan. lets those champs through, Kobe. Until it has been proven to work, like, beyond a reasonable doubt by everyone, someone's going to be like, you know, I, maybe, maybe it's not that good. Maybe mm -hmm. we can yeah. just or, or Isaac's point about, you know, they don't have, the, the player in that position doesn't hasn't, hasn't been, you know, good enough or quick enough to pick it up. Yep. Uh, I, I, and that's a thing that I like that we continue to test in, in pro play for players. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's always something that comes up, how quick we, we change things or introduce things. But we, we saw it actually affect uh, this season as well. Zyra Khan, the duo, was was so tremendously powerful. And then, like, right. I'll take Adrian. You know, they, you know, couldn't really play it or didn't want to play against it as well. We saw in a lot of their the pick bands early on. And, like, the teams that had been able to abuse mm -hmm. it early on, you know, got got some wins against them. And stuff I saw like you that. called into Hotline League and even talked about Zyra Khan. Yeah, I was, trying to get to, I was trying to get some more out of Doublelift about, like, specifically... What uh, you know, I'll take an Adrian weaknesses are what yeah. he wanted to attack they're or what he wanted to do, or whatever, because they're playing. So yeah. I was like, oh yeah, you know, uh, give me all like all your insights. Into I predict that doublelift will ward level three in the <laughs> yeah, far exactly. bush. Well, then I think their backwards. They <laughs> let me ward blue buff every single game. Yeah, and then I was gonna be like, series. well, look at this. So uh, as you can see, I'll take an Adrian are doing blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah. Doublelift is trying to <laughs> counter with this. Uh, and I, there with his notepad. <laughs> I think this actually transitions really well into the uh, matchups we have this weekend in North American mm -hmm. LCS. Uh, I'll start with Echo Fox versus Liquid because I wanted to talk a little bit about jungler champion pools. Uh, Dardock hasn't played Skarner still, mm. and Skarner's still really good. Uh huh. Will Dardock play Skarner, or is Echo Fox going to have to ban it every single game? So Dardock, um, I don't know if this like is a personal morals thing or something, but he does not like Skarner or people who play Skarner. I know. Because he's but it's like, good. it's for like free ELO or like whatever. bad players. Yeah, and he's like, it's, oh, yeah, it's one of those like I don't buy elitist that. That kills things. me. I don't buy that. I don't buy that for one second. I think that the people who are saying that are usually people who, for some reason, bad at the, they the are camp. bad at the champion, or they don't like the play style of the champion. I buy fully that he doesn't like playing the champion. Mm -hmm. I do not buy that it's just like this holier than thou. If you are a competitor, <laughs> if you want to win as badly as I think Dardock wants to win, I think you play whatever gives you the best chance to win, right? And I buy that he says, "Oh, you know, Skarner just isn't as good for my play style. I'd rather I'm better on Zach or Olaf." Great, go for it. I don't. But, but I don't. I don't buy the like. Ooh, I'm just too. I'm just too noble to play Skarner. <laughs> I would rather lose than play Skarner. It's, it's like, that's what it comes down to a lot of the time. And like I've, I've ran into these players like 
for 10 years, like playing competitive games, the ones that like have their style that they think is the best style. And then they find ways to justify not picking up the other thing. I think with something like Skarner though, it's, it's something Dardock should be able to play at an extremely high level of proficiency I think with can. a couple of weeks practice. I'm sure I feel can. like he can. I'm sure he can. <laughs> but it's, it's, that's it's why been I, a while. That's why I think that it's, it's just he's not as comfortable with that play style for whatever reason. Just like, just like there's some people that for whatever reason, Lyra just looks so damn good on Skarner, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that he can't play anything else, I don't think. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where for whatever reason it just fits his play style better or it seems to like, like whatever they need, it's working well, right? But and, like, Olaf and Skarner, I feel like, have such similar early game patterns. Mm. And then in late game, they're obviously a little bit different, but it's pretty much still like your predator, you have a good early spike, you fall off late, you try and snowball the game, and then in between that, you're just pressing your buttons and farming yeah. camps at generally the same rate. Like, there's such similar picks. I, I am... I'll be really disappointed if they ban it every single game. They are for sure. The one difference, at least to me, when I think of an Olaf and I think of kind of like the mindset of, of Dardoch as like a, a more aggressive player is I think Olaf can more easily get in the face of the other jungler and like win those fights and that sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. I think that Olaf is stronger earlier, certainly. Um, and that is the, is the only real thing where yeah. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe that's what he's prioritizing. He wants to be the guy who can who can dictate where the other jungler can go or cannot go and that sort of thing. And I also think Olaf is, is a good matchup in a Skarner, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, as long as you can get that, I think it's totally reasonable. But I'm 100% on board that if a pick is that high presence, if a pick is that powerful, you should be playing it like because you should not be giving your your team disadvantage in pick ban, right? Like mm-hmm. and if, if you're if you're unwilling to play it or cannot play it and your team has to ban it every game as a result, then you have now put your team at a disadvantage. Yep. So he was looking really good on Zach. Um mm-hmm. and Zach is definitely offers different things than Skarner also. Totally. Um so I can see them like wanting that. But then most recently, you know, like he got the Nocturne games in there where they were just you're like, mm, not sure if that one really fits in yet. And uh, Sejuani in one of these games where where uh, Skarner was not banned. So, yeah, that's that'll be an interesting thing that we can see unfold yeah. here in playoffs. And there's a lot more to the matchup as well. Like, it's Team Liquid coming off the 3-0. It's Echo Fox coming off their roster changes that they did in Week 9. Uh, so, I mean, you still have to kind of pick a favorite in this matchup. Based on momentum, the favorite actually becomes Team Liquid. Uh, but I will say that Hooney has a lot to prove in the playoffs. Dardock, Skarner's side, has had an amazing regular season. Best jungler for the spring split. Yeah, first team jungler, first team top laner. I think Phoenix is good, right? Yeah. If he's, you know, worked over whatever reason he was that it was benched, they never really went into detail on why that happened. Yeah, but. and Arrow just said it was stress, right? So if, yeah. he, if he is feeling good going into playoffs... I mean, yes, he had some bad games. People think of the Fiora mid and, th- and things like this, and he was he was benched for the end and whatnot. But like, if he is is on form as he was for for most of the first half of the split, or even more than the first half of the split, Phoenix is really good, and you still have probably the best jungler and for sure the best top laner in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is that is a lot of strong points to play around. Yeah, I mean, it, this one comes down to, I mean, at first glance, it's top versus bottom. Because yep. Team Liquid definitely feels like a big advantage on bottom side. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think... Uh, have they declared which sub they're they're possibly using? Pop I Chow versus don't Dante? know if they've done so. Yeah, actually. Because so. they, they have to declare one. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see if Echo Fox 
actually bring like a bottom lane sub or mm-hmm. if they actually bring Demonte instead. Um, right. Because just for, as because a clarification for people who don't know the rule, there's six man roster lock for playoffs. Yeah. Right, because essentially MSI will have a six man roster, so they lock it at six at playoffs. Even though during the regular season, they're technically allowed to run anyone from their academy team, but when playoffs yeah. hits, it's different. So. Back to what you're saying. And on the top side, um, like Hooney changes every game that he's in mm-hmm. because he's Hooney, uh, and it'll be very interesting to see what playoff Hooney looks like this time around, because yeah. I feel like there are. There's less room for creativity right now. Mm -hmm. People keep talking about, oh, yeah, there's so many viable tanks. There are not that many viable other options. Gangplank still is there, uh, kind of, and there are, you know, you can pull out things like, you know, Camille or something. Swain is basically a a tank-ish champion. Um, But I feel like there's a little bit less creativity in top lane right now, which uh, might reduce some of the options for Echo Fox. On top of Impact was doing a very good job absorbing lots of ganks, lots of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's very happy with the options of tanks, plus Swain, as we saw in the last one, even with three tank bands uh, leveled at him, the singe you know, he was fine. Well. And he pulled out the Singe. He's like, yeah, you know, I hadn't played that in a long time, but he was like, oh, you know what? Uh, it's good here. I'm going to be a you know Singe pocket pick or whatever. Yeah. And, and that was maybe his best game even. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I totally think that Impact showed he is not able to be targeted in pick and ban effectively. I think if there's one thing you take away from from the TL versus C9 series, those bans were not very effective. There was mm-hmm. there was at times, I think, up to seven top lane bans, and Impact was still looking fine, right? Um, I do think that there is, is like, opportunities for Huni, you know, as far as, like, the creativity stuff. Yes, we saw Licorice, the, the Fiora fell flat, but I felt that was more about execution. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they failed that dive and these sorts of things. So I do think that if... You want to see impact on pure tanks. We could see uh, like a well-executed Fiora be pretty effective or, you know, Trundle for Huni and these sorts of things can be pretty effective. But it's interesting because it definitely does feel very much like top versus bottom. And it does feel like the team who, you know, who's able to better neutralize their their opponent in that side will probably have a big advantage, right? And... And when I'm just kind of looking at it on paper, I'm like, well, I feel like Impact has a better, has a much better chance of neutralizing the top lane than uh, Adrian Altec do of neutralizing the bottom lane based on their most recent performances. Because mm-hmm. we saw it in the last couple of weeks, Adrian Altec getting exploited not just by like Zvenimithi and, and things like this, it was by, you know, Mad and it was by Lemonation and Arrow and it was by some of the, the bottom lanes which are considered the weaker ones in the league. So they they need to really make sure that they're minimizing mistakes. And I think that has to be the biggest focus uh, for the Echo Fox bot lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would also cut it, well, like we cut it top to bottom. I would also cut it like early game versus mid games yeah. because Team Liquid, even though it was 3-0 versus Cloud9, they lost the early game frequently Mm -hmm. uh in that series and cloud nine definitely showed some uh you know openings that you can uh try try and get there and echo fox have had very good early games Mm -hmm. um a lot of it is you know dardock and the team like tracking the enemy jungler super well and uh getting off a lot of early pressure but uh, i'm curious to see how it splits that way as well yeah one thing i'll say though is uh, i i don't know how echo fox can recapture what they were able to do in the first half of the season in the current meta. Because when they were getting these bigger of the game leads in the first half, uh, I think a lot of it had to do with Huni's specific power in all of the Gangplank matchups. Mm-hmm. Because GP was kind of the omnipresent top laner. Nar was also super, super good. And 
Huni could blind those two champions, take over the game with it, or if you blinded either of those two champions, he would have a counter that could also take over the game. People did abuse him on gang. Like he got camped on gangplank and started out with a lot of deaths. He did, quite, but then he all, he was always able to come back in the game. That, I I need to 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 finish this point as well because that uh, took all the draft resources away from teams to try and make that a good, like, something they could deal with, whether it was making sure they had a really good jungle top, uh, and it made it so you could almost never ban other stuff, right? So Phoenix got Zoe more than anyone else when Zoe was OP, and Altec got Callista more than anyone else in the North American LCS. He had, like, five Callista games. And they won bottom lane with Callista X almost every single time. So they had bottom lane pressure, and they'd still have Huni on that late game carry. Callista kind of sucks now. And they haven't found that other pick that if Huni draws all these draft resources, they then have this stable bot lane. They've tried mm-hmm. Caitlyn, they've tried Varus, neither one of them have worked. And then on top of that, Huni doesn't have the same takeover power with the current champion pool. So I don't know how they can recapture that and they'd have to kind of find a new way to win. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. And you can kind of say, well, if you, if you look at the last two games of the regular season, including the tiebreaker for them, uh, both against 100 Thieves, they lost both of the games against 100 Thieves. Uh, someday kind of showed you probably a, a lot of what Impact is going to be trying to do. Yep. He played a Cho'Gath game and he played an Orin game, right? And he was and he was very effective in both. And you know, Huni wasn't really able to to get big advantages in either, as far as like you know, really abusing it. He was up a massive amount of farm. I remember in the Nar game. Um, but not really able to convert that into much, and you know, again, had a pretty solid Shen game. But it's like it does really feel uh, like he is required to do more than than a lot of other players. Like he can't just win; he has to like blast a lot of the time. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he has anything prepared because I, I do think there are opportunities. You know, we talk about his flexibility in champion pool a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swain has yet to lose a game in the NALCS. The new Swain; it's actually seven and zero in top lane and whatnot. Hmm. So like. And Impact is willing to play it. Huni is willing to play it. But Huni is a guy that I could see, you know, if this is supposed to be this Pikman thing that Impact is going to take, if you give that over to Impact, I could see him being a guy who is willing to bring out a melee matchup and, and try to smash that and these sorts of things. Like, he definitely feels like that. He also feels like the kind of guy that would be willing to. I mean, we've seen his Lucian and GP and these sorts of things. Like, I think he could pull off a Fiora or mm-hmm. something along those lines or a Darius into a tank. And, like, maybe they need that sort of extreme play. Uh, and I think that's just going to come down to how confident they are based on, on this, like, couple weeks of practice, yeah. right? Like. Are you really confident in how your bottom lane is performing? Maybe their bottom lane has been performing great recently, and they feel that, you know what, Huni, if you just are, are doing pretty well, we're going to win. It feels, that feels like such a, you know, a risky style, though, it does. right? And it, to me, it feels like they try to do, like, kind of a variation of that where they pick Nocturne twice. Like, this was not them, and this was at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, that, whenever you're picking Nocturne, to me, it feels like, they smashed some scrims. They wanted to snowball early. Um, Dardak and Huni are like their best players, so they they want to get you know s- those guys some things that they can mm-hmm. um, start to snowball or or take over a game completely, like you're talking mm-hmm. about. And if the other team I- is able to neutralize, if the other team is able to get to late game, like Team Liquid were able to do in theirs uh, versus Cloud9 over and over again, and and get to the five on fives and play objectives very well later, um, then it seems like. That is, is kind of the higher percentage play. I I totally agree. It's just 
do you need to take that risk is the question, right? If you're, yeah. if you are saying, you know what, our bottom lane is going to lose, right? It, like if you think, no, we if can't. If you think we, the bottom lane will lose, I think you do. I think then you have to take that yeah. risk because even if it's to your point, not the highest percent, if it's like a 30 or a 40, maybe that's your best chance, right? Because Sunni's just good enough that he can pull it off. But at the same time, like then, then I totally am in agreement with if they're saying, you know what, our bottom lane has been performing great. Uh, Phoenix is back on point. We yeah. can just, we can just play a normal game and win. Then that's a more consistent game it, plan. And it, it just comes down to, so do you have that confidence in the rest of your team to perform where you're saying all in on Hooney? Yeah. It's tough to say because you have a finite amount of practice too. Yeah. So you have to make that bet like Pretty early 10 on. days ago and yeah. say either Hooney's going to be practicing tank counters or he's going to be practicing tanks and tank matchups. Yeah. Well, you have to also be ready to adapt. What if they, you know, play game one, I'll take an Adrian or fine. Everyone, yeah. uh, you know, talking about All right, Hooney, uh, just put your ass. And they're yeah. like, whoa, okay, I guess. Uh, totally. Uh, predictions. First impression oh, predictions. God. I'm not gonna hold. We're not gonna hold this to so, it. Well, our conversation all just revolved around, like, sl- leading it towards the uh, the team liquid side. I feel yep. like so. Last week, Kobe. You know, just because you know, I don't check the tapes constantly, just for memory. <laughs> I know uh, I have to check the tapes. Either. Isaiah and I were both I like, I think Team Liquid's got it. And you're like, I don't want to be persuaded by yeah. the Team Liquid conversation, so I'm going to go Cloud9. <laughs> but is what you said. Also, to be fair, you guys both said 3-2. We did. I said 3-2. You said multiple times how close it was going to yeah. be. So technically, uh, we were score. still closer to the yeah. result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just said it wasn't like you were like, uh, oh, So yeah. uh, which team did uh, you predict go <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I, I seem to recall we predicted Team Liquid. I can take and I it. believe the Team Liquid is in the semifinals, so yeah. that would make us correct. <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're good right. Good job. Good job, Superior Dad. Your analyst, okay. yeah. I analyst. will say, uh, in this About series, one game. based on what we've seen, I would say Team Liquid three one. Mm. Uh, this would be under the assumption that Alltech and Adrian will probably lose lane to Doublelift Ole, and that the meta is not in the place where Hooney can actually destroy impact in a meaningful enough way to overcome uh, what their disadvantages may be on the other side of the map. With that being said, like, I still think there's a high amount of variance in this series. <laughs> this isn't one of those TSM's definitely going to be clutch types of series. Yeah. But, where uh, we were definitely wrong. Yeah, where, where. That's Don't not one we expected on one. to have variance. <laughs> this is one where I do expect a lot of potential variance because yeah. Echo Fox was experimenting a lot uh, hopefully they have settled on what they are most confident in, and I think that could still be very good. But TL3-1 is my first impression prediction. It's interesting because Echo Fox, this whole discussion all year about this team has been about variance. Yeah. Um, and at first we were worried about the mentality of the players and how they're going to work around, but now we have some more data, Yeah. like the whole split of data to work with, and... It's it's no more clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's because you're like ah. I thought you're gonna be like, and that means yeah, no, it's because it's that. because at the end of the split they started to fall off, right? Like if they had con- if they had continued to, to play how they did throughout most of the year, like in the in the last couple of weeks, you would be saying, oh, okay, it's very clear. They're just a really good team. They're one of the top teams. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be consistent. They're gonna be great. But then they these last couple of weeks they started really falling off. They started looking a lot more sloppy. They bring in subs. They're losing more games. And then you're like wait, were we right at the start and they're not as good, but it just took longer for it to fall apart? Or mm-hmm. are they actually this good? Or what's happening with subs? What's going on? It's so hard to know. Yeah. The, um, this, Especially the sub thing. Like, I'm waiting for the yeah. weird, like, M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end of the story here. Because, <laughs> like, I still don't know why. Like, what was up with that? Okay. So, Coach said for Phoenix, at least, he needs some rest. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then obviously there were problems that we saw with the bottom lane. And so they also tried out a, a bottom lane sub. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a theory. Okay. Let's totally unsubstantiated. Let's, let's get into it. I think it's future planning. I think Phoenix is an import slot who is good, but I don't, I think they think he has a cap. Like Phoenix is a super strong lane player. Who's not necessarily good roamer. If they can get that with the Monte, mm. then they're planning on importing an 80 carry next split. Potentially. Or next year. I've also heard their Academy AD carry is actually quite good. I believe it's and lost he's an and he is an import. Yeah. So if you if you actually want to play him, if, if your solution for bottom lane is not actually the support swap, it's the AD carry swap, then you need to have one less import and you're not going to drop Uni. It I'm, does, I'm just guessing it's like long-term planning testing. Yeah. It does feel like that team is like, Dardak and Huni are the secure... The core. Yeah. But that's kind of off topic. I said 3-1. What's your prediction, Kobe? <laughs> Uh, Lock it in. Uh, go first. Uh, <laughs> I need forty-five more. I'm seconds looking at their. I'm looking at their season right okay, now. He's crunching the numbers. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I mm. it is really hard for me. I have I have some more faith. I think uh, maybe a little bit more faith than you, Jet, that the Huni can make some of the tank counterpick type things work. Um, but I still like as, the more I talk through it, the more I feel like it is TL favored. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's probably TL three two, but I. I could definitely see Echo Fox winning this. And, and I don't think it's just about top advantage in a 1v1. Mm -hmm. I just think I look more at, like, when I think, how does Echo Fox win? I look more about the 2v2 on top side with the jungle. Because right. when Dardock is working really well with Huni, it's not just about how much better is Huni than Impact. It's about how much better are they playing together. Because to me, Echo Fox at their best is about that duo smashing lane. Even mm. if Impact does not make mistakes, if Smithy is not there to cover him, you can get put behind even in like essentially a flawless top lane game. So yeah. um, that is the way that I see Echo Fox uh, being able to take a couple games and potentially the series. But I have to, I have to lean more towards... TL because Impact has been super stable, mm -hmm. and I, I think their bot lane for Echo Fox has been uh, too big of a weakness the last couple weeks. Kobe yeah. looks like he's still contemplative, so I'll add one more piece <laughs> of, uh, of stuff that I'm thinking. Uh, I think as the season progressed, people changed the way they tried to deal with Huni, mm -hmm. uh, especially Team Liquid. When Team Liquid did the Camille Gallio against them in the second time they played in the regular season, they camped for impact. They camped Huni super hard. They threw all their resources at him. And yeah, they got rewarded a little bit, but they like never really took him out of the game. He always found his way to get farm and come back in. I felt like in the last half of the season, he was mostly just getting ignored. So they'd be like, all right, Huni, win that matchup by 4 to CS. We don't care. And then they would just kill the other four people over and over again. Yeah. Uh, so they have to answer that because I think that's how people are going to deal with him, actually. I don't think if Dardock and Huni try and do the 2v2, I think they just let Impact be on his own and X-Smithy wins the other lanes. Yeah, after the Team Lucas last series, Doublelift actually even tweeted out, camp li like, camp my top laner more, see what yeah. happens or whatever like, like that. Um, Huni is not licorice, though. And I think <laughs> if Huni gets way ahead in a Fiora type matchup, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can just end the game by yourself. Yeah, like a, a lot of these games here at the end of spring as well, I'm remembering Huni in the later stages feeling like the the 1v9, right? Yep. Um, and actually, like pulling off triple kills by himself and the stuff Vladimir like that. game, they yeah. lost both the Trundle games. He got massively ahead Swain in farm, games. but he lost. He lost both Dude, those. Uh, we, we still got another matchup to do. This prediction is like the anime hero Huni versus the the team play Team Liquid, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because Team Liquid wasn't even the team play team until like two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I'll also 
go Team Liquid. I'm not gonna. Ah oh, man. I'm not gonna take <laughs> After a, all that. I'm not gonna take the other <laughs> I want side my money this back. time. <laughs> I was trying to make it happen. I was trying to be okay, like, okay. who's gonna pop off one game and then he's gonna start playing uh, Lucian for you the, <laughs> the numbers. You're like, all right, this is game number one. This is game number two. Just couldn't right, find. What's your, game what's your series three. score? Oh, uh, uh, what I was really trying to find was Altec and Adrian are are gonna play this and it's gonna be fine. And they're gonna Gin, you know, not mark? be it, yeah. The but, all right. I think I'm gonna actually go. Uh, I'll go three, two, four. Team Liquid, hype. Um, <laughs> but I feel like also the longer and longer the series goes on, the less chance that um, Echo Fox like remain calm. Yeah. Especially if the games start to go late and stuff like so that. So you're saying they're gonna like be up to one in the series. And then Liquid will yes. win four and five. An yes. oddly specific prediction from Kobe. <laughs> All right, Clutch versus Hundred Thieves. We're moving on. So Clutch versus Hundred Thieves, the two new uh-huh. orgs, uh, two new orgs here in in the league this year. Regardless, we're getting a, a new org in the finals. That's cool. We have yep. a new champion. That's really cool too. Uh, Clutch obviously coming off of uh, a historic defeat of TSM, which was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hundred Thieves, you know, they finished in first place. They had a ridiculously hot second half. You know, nine and one in the second half. I think that it, it's going to be a pretty exciting matchup. And I think, you know, first impressions, you want to go Hundred Thieves because of how good they were in the second half. But then you start like, at least for me, I start to realize a lot of the same reasons I'm predicting Hundred Thieves are the same kind of reasons that I thought. TSM was going to beat them too. So I feel like even though Clutch Gaming, like beating TSM like that, is going to swing a lot of people, the interview after for me took a lot of the <laughs> umph out of their win because they were just like, yeah, we were getting totally smashed all the time. Um, but, you know, on stage, uh, we we're just, just do good. better. We play better, we win on stage. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I was like so much less confident yeah. after the interview. It's like next level coaching. Maybe they've been smashing in the scrims. They're just like, just tell everyone we suck so they keep underestimating <laughs> us, man. That's really the long at the yeah. end of the split when they're like MSI champions. They'll be like, we've been good all along. <laughs> uh, but uh, I also think when looking at this series, uh, you have to figure out like exactly how they won uh, against TSM. And I think while Clutch did play well, I think TSM played really badly. Yeah, I agree. They made a lot of really bad map decisions. They offered them to a lot of fights that they definitely shouldn't have. And that ended up playing into Clutch's play style quite well. Uh, Hakuho was the outlier of the series, for sure, with how many hooks he was able to force in lane. But the whole, like, impenetrable wall of TSM's bottom lane that everyone has talked about all year and how Zven died like... I don't know, 12 times in 20 games. He died 15 times in that series. Yeah, he died more times in that one series than he did the entire spring split. Is that true? I, I believe it I, is. Okay, I kind of made that's up what the I, That's what I had Something seen. Like it was, I, I did not actually Somebody go check through myself. Yeah. Uh, I saw it on Twitter, actually. Okay. We'll, we'll confirm that. Uh, I'm actually going to confirm right now. Let's see. Yeah, But I mean, e- even in the one game he had, on the Cogman game, he had, what, six or seven deaths? I know in the last, like, 10 games of the split, he had three deaths. Because I remember seeing that he had the exact same uh, amount of deaths as Bjergsen, which was... He had 18 deaths for the season, but he had 15 deaths okay. in that season. Okay, so almost, almost yeah. as many. Uh, in pretty, four games versus 20. Pretty insane. I also think Lyra des- deserved a lot of credit. I think he, Lyra had a really good, uh, a really good series too. After two. game one, where he was like targeted by the whole team and they had Olaf and counter mm-hmm. jungle and everything, I think he bounced back super well. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, like Clutch definitely showed up on the day. I think yeah. TSM absolutely did not. Yeah. So uh, that still 
doesn't make me think that they're like, oh, now since TSM was the, the team on the path to the finals and now Clutch beat them. No, it was an upset win, mm-hmm. right? So if they win again, it will be another upset win. It's not like they're suddenly favorites going into 100 Thieves because I look at 100 Thieves, the way they ended the regular season, the way their bottom lane has been that bottom lane that wins and how Cody Sun doesn't really die. <laughs> We're setting it up, Kobe. Medios uh, so has been a the really good who doesn't die. Oh, yeah. who's been? Uh... Now, if they kill Cody Sun 15 times in the series, then we can start talking about. Then you the predict them to lose in the finals again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody kills two unkillable AD carries in the playoff series. <laughs> Cody Sun has the second fewest deaths of all AD carries in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I tend to agree. I think you have to obviously look at the, the entire body of work from the team, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to think, okay, yeah, it is one really good series from Clutch, um, but that does not erase a lot of the issues that they had in the second half. And as far as the playoff teams go, um, Clutch actually did win both their regular season games against TSM. Yes, they lost the tiebreaker mm-hmm. at the end, um, but that was one of the, the playoff teams that they actually did kind of match up pretty well against, even though it was earlier on. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's I think it's really it's it's tough to to find unless you think it is like going to be these incredible standout performances again. It feels tough to find a, a lot of the edges for Clutch. Mm-hmm. All this being said, I am more confident in Clutch now than I was previously. Definitely. One thing I would say they shored up. I um, was convinced that you know they had this champ select weakness and you know Phil Bivens always playing his ear and they have to get you know ex late game champion mm-hmm. form or whatever but they GSM banned his ear like every single time just like uh, ad- advised yeah and uh, he just played Swain every single time they they gave up another uh, you know very powerful pick True. for him um and then you started to run into like, oh, we're running out of bands now because Hako is actually popping off as well as having mm-hmm. these other restrictions where we wanted to try and keep this team down. So I think that that gave me at least you know more confidence and they have more versatility than I initially thought with its squad. Yeah, I do think, at least for me, like my opinion is when it, when someone is just performing so incredibly well on a specific champion, I think you just need to get them off the champion and make them show you something different, like you know push them out of out of that uh, that kind of pattern that they're in a little bit because yeah they were banning they were banning uh, instead of the Swain they were banning the Azir they were banning Morgana instead of the Thresh and these sorts of things and those are obviously signature champions for those players but I still think you know from as from the opponent's point of view you want to kind of disrupt some of the things that are working in the midst of of a best of five series um but I mean, hundred thieves. It's it's kind of interesting because Hakuo, like the way that he performed, was absolutely incredible against TSM. But that's a, a lot of what the praise for Aframu has been. You know, in especially in the second half of the split, mm-hmm. uh, that he was able to take over a lot of games like this. And it, yep. and it could be a very very high action game around support because it is you know these two guys who have been incredible playmakers for their teams, and you know it's also guys who are pretty flexible as far as their champion pools, and, and you know both of them are, are willing to play the Morgana, the Thresh, etc. Uh, so I'm actually really, really excited for the the support matchup in particular because yeah. I think that more than most series, uh, it could be these guys actually dictating the pace. Yeah, and I think while the support matchup is interesting, I also don't expect this series to be that fast-paced. Clutch was actually mm-hmm. pretty much the slowest-placed team in the North American LCS during the regular season, and Hunter Thieves wasn't much faster. Yeah. That's why Cody Sun ended up late-game carrying so many of those games uh, is because their lanes kind of play slow and they get Cody Sun a little bit ahead and then they win team fights. And I also want to just, to talk about how close this series could definitely be, 100 Thieves is not your traditional number one seed. Normally the number one seed is 14 and 4 or 15 and 3 or 17 and 1. They're 12 and 6. 
and Clutch was 11 and 7 coming into the playoffs. So, yes, it's one versus six, but that was one game, dude, that separated them in the regular season before tiebreakers. So, mm-hmm. definitely possible that it's extremely close and definitely possible for Clutch to still make the finals just based off regular season results alone. It is, but it's also, I think, disingenuous to, to be talking about regular season results and not be talking about like, uh, recency as well, right? Like, how good were these teams in the second half? Because, because they are definitely the number one seed based on the second half. Exactly. But they're not immortals. They're no, they're, the they're, def- they're definitely not immortals, right? But I, but I do think that, you know, the one game difference feels like it doesn't accurately represent the strength of these teams going mm-hmm. into playoffs because 100 Thieves have been on such a tear going into playoffs, right? Their, their only loss in their last 10 was the one to Team Liquid. Um, you know, they, they would beat Echo Fox back-to-back on the last day, you know, to earn that. And and they had been so incredibly strong, I think, in the second half that they're much better than, at least their regular season, much, much better than kind of that just that one game advantage. At least that's how I felt mm-hmm. uh, of the strength of these teams going into playoffs. And they also do hold, you know, a 2-0 over clutch, uh, during the that's, regular season, that's the big thing too. for me as well. Yeah, yeah. I also really like uh, Prawley's coaching as well. So, giving because they are the number one seed, you know, they have the extra week to plan. They yep. um, get this extra time to observe the TSM series for Clutch Gaming, and they have a lot of planning that can go into it. Prawley talks talks a lot about how he likes this annoying, you know, play style for his team, mm-hmm. and that both Medios and Afremu also, you know, have those creative ways of thinking about the game. Um, on top of the 2-0 and the most recent one, um, you know, Sunday playing the, the Cho'Gath into the Nar and and the, the way that they have Solo on Clutch Gaming where he doesn't get a lot of support. Like, there's definitely definitely options for 100 Thieves as, as far as adapting in series. So yeah. I think it being a best of also lends some more. One final thing I will say, though, before we get to predictions uh, is Prawley's never made finals. Like, he's constantly the guy who wins coach the split in the ULCS and does well in the regular season. He's the reverse TSM. And then his team finishes third. They lose the semifinal. Well, wrap it up. Every time. <laughs> he's got to break that curse. Easy 3-0 for Clutch then for Jet. Uh, really? <laughs> uh, so my prediction, even though I think there are some trends that work both ways, uh, I do have to side with the 8-1 second half of the split by 100 Thieves rather than the 6-3 second half. It's not like Clutch was sucking in the second half either. Um, but... Win quality, how poorly I think TSM played against Clutch, uh, and how bad Clutch has been doing in scrims, and how even they don't actually seem that self-confident makes me think kind of thieves 3-1. Also, so I, I would agree that I was also going to go 3-1, uh, but I think that something else that people haven't really talked about was Medios over the split, because he yeah, was coming really from... Literally not even playing League of Legends. He was streaming WoW a whole bunch and yeah. and like doing other stuff, taking breaks. Um, but him, especially in the second half, I thought he has improved a lot. Everyone has eyes on Mike Young because, oh, he's a new guy on there and he's going to have to improve a lot over the split or whatever. But I thought because Medios took such a long break, um, you know, it might take him as well some while to readjust to competitive play. Mm-hmm. And and he has stepped up in a very big way for this team as well. And I think he's playing at a very high level now. So, um, yeah, I think 100 Thieves also had some good improvements over the split. What about you, Azale? Yeah, I I'm, I'm actually was thinking about the same prediction. Um which feels bad to, to Damn, be we're all the third same. guy These doing the, the monkeys same up here. Wrong, man. Um, now that we're we all convince each other it's, into saying the same. Just <laughs> no. a hive mind. It's it's also it's also interesting. Like we haven't actually talked about the top lane at all. And and you know someday everyone uh, you know wants to probably put as as an advantage like mm-hmm. in, in the top lane for hundred thieves. And I and I do agree. But solo, I think 
maybe should be getting some more credit at this point because I mm-hmm. do think he has had some really strong performances as far as even on the tiebreaker day against C9. You know, not like he's not the focus of their team at all, um, but he seems to be able to really absorb a, a fair bit of pressure and still be like. He's not usually the re- he's not the reason they lose. It feels like he's always going to be pretty stalwart in the top lane. He's finding some pretty good late game contributions, and I've been kind of more and more quietly impressed with how Solo has been playing. So I- I'm really interested to see how that top lane matchup is going to go again because it didn't feel like you know yeah. th- he was able to get exploited in quarterfinals by Hanser. It didn't feel like he was able to be you know by Licorice and, and C9 all camping him and and. There are certainly ways for for Clutch to win this series, and, and I think a lot of that looks like if, if teams want to focus solo and he's able to hold on, the bottom lane and the mid lane and these sorts of things can start to take over because uh, Febivin is in- incredibly good, and and he is, I do think, somewhere where like that I see as an advantage for Clutch for sure. Yeah, I think definitely for these ones where we all end up predicting the same team, we should give the arguments for the other side. Yeah. Since we have the arguments for the other side, mm. even though we end up with uh, uh, the same predictor, uh, I also think because uh, I was just talking so much about uh, Medios, but Lyra, like you were saying in their mm-hmm. series, especially, um, he talked a lot in interviews. Remember in the beginning of spring about he didn't like the changes to the jungle. You know, this guy was mm. always, oh my god, that Lee Sin play. Oh my god, this you know Nidalee play, and he's trying to carry envy and he's stacking up kills and everything. This mm-hmm. was a Big adjustment for yep. Lyra uh, as far as this meta. Um, and I think that him as well uh, has kind of settled into it. Yep. So, um, you know, clutch gaming definitely has some pros as well. All right, triple three one. Let's do some Twitter questions right now. I like this Twitter name, LeBron's James. Good <laughs> Twitter name. Uh, Hooney has been getting a lot of criticism for his squishy build choice on NAR in the Hunter Thieves Echovox game. Do you think he is so focused on trying to carry his team with damage that he is actually a driver for some of their losses outside of the laning phase? Wasn't Huni the one that built a Sterics on Nar? He built Sterics. He does I, I don't like that. That doesn't pop when you're ranged, right? No, it doesn't pop when you're ranged. Yeah. That- so he, he's also he's had a few times where he also, I think, uh, earlier in this build, uh, split built Sterics plus Maw on GP. Mm-hmm. So like I think he's maybe not fully in the know on some of the, the changes with that stuff or doesn't realize how some of the interactions work. Or just loves Sterics. Uh, or just loves Sterics. Um, just thinks it's a cool item. Um, but I do not like the criticism of his build at all. Like, and I think that it's, there's so much like revisionist history t- comes into play when mm. people start talking about these sorts of things with like, this goddamn Hooney is losing us games with these carry builds <laughs> in the top lane. It's like, have you watched him play at all for the last like five years? He does this all the time. This is a guy who, you know, builds PD on NAR and things like this. Like, this is how he plays. This is how he wins games. It is his play style. He has made it work in multiple regions over many years. Uh, I do not think it is fair at all to criticize that and point that as, as like the reason of failure. If you want to say his play in this game was poor because of X and Y, then great. But I don't think that uh, attacking his playstyle when it is also like the biggest reason for most of Echo Fox's success uh, throughout the split is, is legitimate at all uh, and to me that's kind of just point blank that's it. I don't Nailed agree. it. Yeah. yeah. As I far agree. as simplifying it into oh building too much damage or building too much tank I would definitely say yeah the that those are like some generalist criticisms that, sh- that just don't make a lot of sense. I want a player like Huni who is extremely mechanically gifted and mm-hmm. makes decisions really, really well and like 
you know, sees that what he wants to do in a fight so well to have a lot of damage in his hands. Yeah. I actually want him to be, you know, mm -hmm. be on like a DPS character uh, because he's going to get, you know, a lot of value out of that stuff while also doing a good job of, you know, avoiding. And I'd rather stick someone else on, okay, you're the frontliner. You, you know, bring the CC or create an opening for Huni to actually work with. Yeah. And it also... Or Phoenix on Scion mid yeah. and Huni on Rise top. Yeah. Boom. Oh, that's my prediction. <laughs> I mean, it's also why you can continue to, to extend advantages in a 1v1, right? Because if you go yeah. NAR, you build Black Cleaver into full tank and you're playing against a Cho'Gath, the Cho'Gath is just building pure tank. There gets a certain point where you don't hurt him anymore, mm -hmm. right? You need to continuously build damage if you want to be able to pressure him. That's why he was up, you know, 130 CS. You could say, hey, it's his fault for not being able to convert on that. Great, but Bill was fine. IMO. Yeah. Uh, Jay at Stikobi says, Jack stated that, so C9 Jack, uh, stated that they would not make any changes to their roster after exiting playoffs, but should C9 consider running a six-man roster again, similar to what they did with Impact and Ray last year? Six man roster with who would be my question. That's the big if, question. If you if you have a, a like a sick player, if Their they academy have, teams got what golden glue. They got Wiggly. Are you swapping golden glue in for Jensen? Are you swapping Zazel in I'm for? I'm just trying yeah. to say the roster, bro. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no I, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just trying. To, you can't I, do it. No, I just mean as far as like like it's hard to see where the the player is that you'd want to swap out, right? Because. Zazel, I think, is is a guy who maybe should be getting some LCS play, right? Better but like taking out smoothie. Probably not on C9, right? Probably on, on one of these other teams. Um They're not taking so, out sneaky for Keith. Yeah. Even if Keith has actually had a great year in uh, Academy. Yeah. So I mean it's like if you want to talk about Sword and Shield, like Impact Ray, you need you need the shield then. You need your guy who's who's gonna be this bomb tank player. Um, but to me, Licorice was so promising in his first year that I'd rather just see them invest in him and develop him. I agree. I mean, I'd, I'd always love to have more players, and you do have to have a six-man roster for you know declaring the sub for international play and stuff. We talked about the the format. Yeah. Uh, so every North American LCS team should be putting resources into finding the best possible six-man mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. for whatever position I, they think right. uh, they could make the most gains by having a switch. Uh, and yeah. because Licorice is new and he's still developing, even though he has a lot of promise. Um, you know, maybe it would be the top lane. I would mm -hmm. say either top lane or jungle would probably be the two positions for Cloud9 to look for uh, support players for or sub players for their yeah. six Yeah, I think if they were to look at a six person, I would look in the jungle. Um, and I kind of hate that I, I end up still doing this, but it's kind of just like the reality of our ecosystem. If you are taking up one of the two import slots, it's more advantageous for the org to try and have a non-import slot become yeah. a serviceable replacement because that just opens up your options for what your weaknesses could be, theoretically in the future. So if they got uh, their academy jungler to the point where Svenskeren was and Licorice isn't performing well, then they can get a top laner from anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it just becomes, becomes more flexible. Last question, though. I think this is actually kind of interesting. From at Dark Naifu, uh, should Flash get nerfed? And I know we've talked about this before, but everyone uses it, and according to the league logic, that means it's imbalanced, blah, blah, blah. I'd personally like to see it change to reward aggressive flashes. Kill slash assist within X seconds. What do you think about that? Like if flash, if you got a kill or assist within five seconds of using it, you get a minute off the cooldown. Hmm. Is that too snowball-y, or is it just cool? It's definitely cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's my initial reaction. It's I think it's definitely snowball-y. But if it means you're flashing in more aggressively, 
the game probably just becomes more fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so like my my uh, my hesitation with all these sorts of changes when I hear people talking about it is. I think it doesn't necessarily change the pace of the game. It changes the champions that you can play in the game. Like and like, I always think. So like, I play I play Phil. I think other lanes are always less impacted about this. So that's why I always talk about top lane in it because mm -hmm. top lane is long lane one v one. Like when I see changes like this, when I see people talking about, oh yeah, just like remove TP and just make it only ignite. It just doesn't necessarily make me play that different. It just makes me only pick Jace and stuff but like that. Picking a different, like changing the champions you play is going to make you play differently. Yeah, also. yeah, I, it's, it's it's true. That's true. But um, I just I just think that you cut out like a lot of champions the more you like really make it uh, about like a, a ultra aggressive pick. Yeah. So that's that's my concern. And I I think Flash shouldn't get nerfed personally because I just think that Flash is like, yes, everyone uses it, but Flash is really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Flash is really interesting as far as like aggressive plays, as far as you know, defensive plays. It's very powerful. It's like it's I think one of the like coolest slash most important uh, like kind of resources that you have in league. So that's why I personally really like the ability and like that it's kind of everywhere. Yeah. And that's why they've kept it this whole time. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's a reason that Flash has been basically a permanent one of your summoner spells for the duration of yeah. League's life. And even though this Twitter question is should Flash get nerfed, I say that's a no. But the second half of the but question change. I feel like is should it be buffed like should a killer assist to flash actually give you a shorter cooldown and i think it would be a little weird if i'm thinking about the way a team fight plays out like hey we won the team fight so whether or not we we're flashing aggressively or defensively during that team fight means all of our flashes are now up before yours and like yeah. that's actually going to be lame and the amount of situations where the flash forward actually gets rewarded versus the flash backwards getting punished i actually think is slim it's more just like if you're winning then you flash during a kill congratulations you did it so I don't know if you're actually getting the gameplay, uh, but I'm I'm actually really intrigued by this. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. That anytime you would change something like this, you, there has to be a lot of champion balance accompanying it, right? Because mm -hmm. like I'm just like, then you're playing like Skarner with Spellbook and Lucidity Boots, and you have like an ultra short flash, and flash alt is almost always a cooldown in the earlier yeah. stages, and then it's no longer cool. And then game. and then you <laughs> have like a minute off your your two minute flash, and now you're right. just doing it every minute. You're getting a guaranteed kill and. Junglers are better than everyone else because we always flash aggressively at the lane. I trade my flash with the mid laner. Kobe's in there on Vi. Kobe's in there on Vi. He's in there on Skarner. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's probably not. Gonna it's be. a cool idea, but uh, we require a lot of stuff that goes with it. Awesome. Thanks for the Twitter question, guys. Remember, you can always hit us up at right. Jet at right. Kobe at right. Azale. Use the hashtag the dive. Lol, so we can search for it. And that's it for this episode of The Dive. Next week, we have a special episode. We're going to film it in Miami, and we'll have some guests that we'll announce later in the week. Uh, because of that, we're moving from our usual Wednesday release to releasing on Friday because we have to schedule around the finals and actually mm -hmm. film it there. So make sure, uh, keep an eye on social media, Lolly Sports, or our Twitters. We will keep you up to date on when that is going to be released. As far as that, though, semifinals are this weekend, Echo Fox vs. Liquid and Clutch vs. 100 Thieves. That kicks off at 1.30 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday with NALCS Countdown. So see you there. See you there.